0: The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I'm joined today by Elizabeth Beilman. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. You are a recently tenured member of the Utah Symphony. Congratulations. Thank you. I know you came to us from the Sarasota... Oh, I should say first, you play viola. You're in the viola section. I do. That's critical. We'll get to that later. You recently came to us from the Sarasota Orchestra, an institution I actually know very well. Um, What have you noticed about the differences between the culture of the two companies?
1: Well, it's interesting. The Sarasota Orchestra is a much smaller orchestra, and it seems like the majority of our work is in smaller chamber groups or you know little smaller divisions of the orchestra so it felt like a special occasion when everybody came together for masterworks.
0: I do remember that about Sarasota that there were a lot of chamber music groups that the tenured people in that orchestra didn't just play full symphony repertoire.
1: Yes and that was actually my favorite part of the job so it's been really fun to be in Utah and have every week be a big orchestra week and also to get to travel with the whole orchestra around the state. It felt like in Sarasota, the culture was to bring a small group of people to us, and in Utah, it seems like we get to bring the whole orchestra to the whole state, and that's been really fun.
0: Do you feel like that's unique in this country, This the way that the Utah Symphony travels the state to play in these far-flung communities?
1: Definitely. Yeah. I. It's actually one of the things that attracted me to the job because it, it feels like the orchestra really serves the needs of the community and I think that's special.
0: The attraction to the job is something I want to talk to you about because it's. it would seem on paper that you made a bit of a sacrifice to come here because you were a principal player in your previous job and section string playing is, is a team sport, as we all know. And I, Has it been a challenge to step back from the first stand? What are the, what are the rewards and what are the differences of, of, of your new way of looking at the viola section?
1: You know, it was definitely something to think about because I loved being principal and Mm -hmm. I love that artistic leadership aspect. Um, However, when I was looking at this audition, I looked at the Utah Symphony season. And at that time, it was the 75th anniversary season. So to see a Mahler cycle, a tour to Carnegie Hall, recording projects, that just felt like what I aspired to musically. So it was worth the sacrifice to get to be part of such a exciting organization.
0: It probably relates a lot to what you were saying at the beginning of the of the interview where you talked about getting to be with the full orchestra and do that that kind of work on a on a more regular basis.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Does this season strike you as being overly busy compared to what you had in Sarasota? You know,
1: I prefer the busyness. I think it's more fun to each week be doing something different. I think it stretches Me as a musician, so rather than having slow periods where I was trying to find outside projects to Mm. stay challenged, I feel like I get to show up to work every week and have to be almost a different player in some ways.
0: Speaking of outside projects, a lot of people in the Utah Symphony and orchestras around the country go to different cities in the summer to do work with other institutions. And I know that in the summers you have you have performed, and I hope will continue to perform with the Grant Park Orchestra. And that's in your hometown of Chicago, which has got to be great. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, that's it, that's been a fantastic part of my musical life. Um, it's actually what introduced me to the Utah Symphony because it was there several summers ago that I met both Joel Gibbs uh-huh. and Walter Heyman right. and also got to work with Terry Fisher for the first time. So right, right. Utah hadn't been on my radar radar at all until Grant Park. But Grant Park is special because compared to other music summer music festivals that I know about, we play right downtown. And so the people who come to our concerts, which are free and open to the public, are just every every kind of person in the city from tourists to people who don't usually go to classical concerts to people who are, you know, diehard symphony goers. So it's been really fun to see what it's like to perform for just anyone who wants to listen.
0: I I would say that the Grand Park Orchestra has the distinction and the I think the honor of playing in one of the great outdoor venues on the planet. Talk a little bit about what it's like to play in that building.
1: It's very special. So the Pritzker Pavilion where we play was designed by Frank Gehry. So it's got that kind of curved metal look, Mm -hmm. kind of similar to Disney Hall in L.A. But the best part is we're right downtown on Lake Michigan, and I feel like I get the best view of the city from the stage.
0: Yeah, I can tell you, having been an audience member there a couple of times, it's a pretty spectacular experience. So I'm jealous when I see you up on stage there because it must be a great way to spend your summer. So you play the viola, we talked about that before. You were principal viola in Sarasota, you're a member of the viola section of the Utah Symphony now. And you may have heard that we recently spoke with your colleague, Mike Pape, about what it's like to be a percussionist in an orchestra. It's very different than being a percussionist in a rock band or a chamber music ensemble. Um, What's the life of a violist like? Tell us.
1: It's funny because we're often the butt of musical jokes. I wasn't gonna go there.
0: (laughs) I was going to leave that off the table.
1: <laughs> but I think that's unfair because actually the life of, violist is, of a violist is very fun. Um, you know, we I think a lot of people are drawn to the viola because when you play it well, it's just got the most beautiful, rich sound. Yes. So in an orchestra, it's so fun to each week play together with a big section. And especially when we're playing repertoire like the Brahms symphonies that we're doing this year or the Mahler symphonies that we did last year, it feels like we really get to sing and play with a lot of big juicy sound
0: so being sort of in the middle of everything is it's sort of the engine of the sound is really exactly an appealing thing so you mentioned Brahms and Mahler what are some other particular pieces of repertoire that you look forward to as a highlight for your section not necessarily this season but just in general
1: well it's funny uh, a lot of the pieces that are so fun to play as a violist are big standards so Ravel's Daphnis and Chloe Mm -hmm. is really fun um, a lot of the big Strauss tone poems are fun. How do
0: you feel about Shostakovich 5? And There's a huge viola section in the first movement of that. You
1: know, I, I've played that Shostakovich 5 solo on almost every audition I've ever taken. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, my love of it has kind of faded. It's <laughs> dimmed a bit. Yeah sure, yeah,
0: sure. Well, we'll have to listen next time the uh, Brahms Symphony is performed here for your section. Um, I've seen it written that you said that you would be a diplomat if you couldn't be a musician which I thought was fascinating because so much about making music in an orchestra is diplomacy. And I wonder what brought you to that place? Obviously you're a huge success here, so you don't have to worry about life and diplomacy, but tell us what made you think of that as an option?
1: Well, in high school, I was really involved in model United nations and, and congressional debate and stuff like that. Um, but it was really my musical experiences that brought me to other countries and and helped me interact with people of different cultures Mm -hmm. that really made me think I could, you know, pair my interest in politics with, my passion for discovering other cultures. So I'm I'm not sad that it didn't work out for me to be a diplomat, but I always think, oh, you know, if I had to choose again, maybe that would be a fun career path.
0: Absolutely. Well, if the Utah Symphony does some international touring in the next few years, maybe we can put you to work as, a, <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. as an
0: advanced ambassador or something. So there's a question we always ask on the Ghostlight podcast because of our name. And the question is, have you ever seen a ghost? Any paranormal experience, Elizabeth, that you can share with us?
1: Well, I have never seen a ghost. However, the closest I've come was visiting my brother in Philadelphia. And he lives in the top floor of an old brownstone that is now a violin shop. And the owners collect all these antiques, including antique instruments. So I was wandering around one night trying to find where to do my laundry. And I opened a door on a floor that I had never been to before And I was just expecting to see, you know, tons of instruments lined up, but there was a bed with a life-size doll (laughs) staring at me. (laughs) And I was so scared that I closed the door and decided not to do my laundry for the entire trip. Wow.
0: Uh, An antique violin shop in Philadelphia. You just described an episode of Black Mirror, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so.
0: Fantastic. Elizabeth Bowman, thank you so much for being on the Ghostlight Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Terry Fisher conducts the Utah Symphony this weekend in a program that includes Brahms and Tchaikovsky, featuring guest pianist Alexander Gavriuk. Tickets and information are available at utahsymphony.org. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced by Chad Call. Utah Symphony, Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation.